Hello, my name is Wyatt Fairman. I am the host of the In All Fairness podcast, and before we begin today, I would like for you to know that this is a faith-based podcast. The goal of this podcast is to help grow the faith of its listeners as well as my own as I conduct research for these lessons that you'll hear on the podcast. There will be stories that are shared that are meant to have spiritual applications, and I pray that you'll take those stories as spiritual applications or life lessons and help to become a better person and a better Christian. Please enjoy, in all fairness, the podcast of a Christian college student with Wyatt Fairman. I would just like to preface this podcast episode by saying that this episode and this story in the episode is a bit different than most of the ones I'll do on this podcast. Um, it's going to be a little bit longer probably, and it has a bit of a, a story to it to where the context could come off as I'm trying to compare myself to God. I would like to give the disclaimer that that is in no way what is happening. Um, just keep that as a penny for thought as you listen to this podcast episode. Thank you. We were walking back to our hotel from a baseball game in downtown Nashville. And to understand this story, you first need to understand who the we in the story is and the role they play in this story. The we are the local county FCCLA chapter. Chapter simply means club or group. FCCLA or Family, Career, and Community Leaders of America is a youth leadership organization, and it is my sixth and last year being a member of this club before I've aged out. In our specific club, there are two adults, three upcoming eighth graders, five upcoming high school freshmen, and me and my twin sister who, of course, just graduated from high school. Our club attended the FCCLA National Leadership Conference in Nashville, and part of going to these conferences is getting to do the fun activities each host city has to offer. This year was Nashville, and we attended a Nashville Sounds minor league baseball game. We actually had club-level seats and an all-you-can-eat buffet (laughs) and a great baseball game. The Sounds won truly This was a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for a few of the middle schoolers in our group. And you know, maybe the sounds win helped a lot, but I think think the all-you-can-eat buffet had a really big impact for some of the kids. I know it helped me a lot. (laughs) Well, we finished the game, and we were having a great time, but we didn't have a bus or shuttle service. That wasn't part of the package we bought. And so as a group, we decided we're going to walk in a line The adults are going to be in the front of this line. And as you go throughout the line, you would have the adults, then the 
rising high schoolers, so the freshmen. And then you would have the middle schoolers. And then you would have myself. My sister was right in the middle of it all. So we walked in a line and... I look up at the top and I see the soon-to-be high school freshmen just goofing off. Pushing and shoving and maybe play fighting if that's what you want to call it. Kind of like what puppies do, except it was just just kind of weird. These are high school freshmen. You kind of expect them to be be more mature than that. But at the same time, they're not. They're just kids. They're goofing off. They had a good time. Behind them, my sister staring them down as as she tends to do. She's a very mature young lady, and I respect her for that. And she was leading three little girls. Now, I, I say little girls. They're really about to be in the eighth grade. But I've known them from since they were truly little girls. And, you know, maybe it's not fair for me being 18 to call them little girls. But I'm going to because that's all I can really think of when I see them. Because I used to babysit them and watch after them after school and elementary school. It was, I've known these kids since before, almost since before they could talk. And now they're in FCCLA as well. They're having a great time on this trip. And we have to make the walk from the outskirts of Nashville into downtown to our hotel. And as we're walking, I noticed that one of the one of the little girls has has a baseball. She brought in one hand. It was this pink baseball. It was really cool looking. It was a real baseball, but it had a pink outside to it. And she was really happy of it. She was showing her friends and she had that in her left hand. In her right hand was the hand of one of her friends. And they were swinging it back and forth, having fun, just being kids. And sure enough, for the other hand of her friend was another one of the little girls. All three of them, hand in hand, smiling. They just seemed like the sweetest individuals you could ever come across. They were laughing. They were telling stories from the baseball game. They're taking in all the sights, and behind them was me. All three little girls knew, all they knew, is that they were happy. Now, maybe they knew that their feet were tired, or maybe they knew that their stomachs were hurting from eating five hot dogs at the all-you-can-eat buffet. Or maybe that was just my experience. Maybe they knew that They wanted to get back to the hotel and get some rest and get ready to go to the zoo the next day. They didn't know that behind them, even behind me, was another man. He wore a torn neon orange shirt with the logo of some beer joint over where his heart should be. He wore dark brown shorts, kind of cut off. He had messy hair, and he was maybe about my height, but slightly heftier. I I first noticed the man walking underneath an overpass, and I didn't think too much of it until I saw him quickly 
run across the street, completely jaywalking. Well, jay running, if you will, and he quickly caught up to our group. He very quickly walked up behind us. As he was doing so, he was swaying back and forth, back and forth. And I don't think he was drunk because despite what his shirt may have said, his breath did not have the noticeable aroma of an alcoholic beverage. Instead of swaying movements such as someone who might be drunk, he was more grounded. Kind of like a race car during a during a caution, just itching to take off. If you've seen them, they, they swerve back and forth. But there's no lack of balance. They're just preparing. He was preparing. He was going to do something. And I stared him down. And as he tried to approach the group again, I would block him off. Especially if I felt he got too close to one of the girls. And finally, we approached a crosswalk. And we were stopped, and so I let him get up right beside me. He stood parallel to myself. I stared at him. He stared at me. My sister, further up the line, turns around and... She senses something's up, and she tries to move the girls a little bit further up the line. She doesn't switch the order. They don't really understand what's going on. So they just take a few steps, and sure enough, me and the man follow. So no real difference was made. She stares at him, too. But right now, really, it's just me and him. As I'm wondering... Who's going to make the first move? He does. He reaches towards his side and he pushes the fabric of his shirt against his hip. And while doing so, he he reveals the form of a weapon that my sister and I both believed to be a gun. And then we are walking. The light had changed. We were walking across the street. The rest of the group began walking across the... uh, uh, Excuse me. We began walking across the crosswalk. The man and I just stood still. I didn't physically say anything to him. All I did was shake my head left, then right, then left, then right again. It's to tell him, I will not let you do anything to this group. I tried cutting him off, and finally I saw him race towards the front of the pack and make a left. Sure sure enough, up ahead were the bright blue lights of a police car who probably had no intentions, intentions of arresting a creep in some orange shirt. But the very presence of the policeman's authority drove the dangerous man away. Soon enough, we would approach our hotel. I would look back and I could still see the man creeping off from behind a corner. The man and I both knew something could have happened that night. My sister and I knew the danger that man posed. And to be honest, the man probably knew how dangerous he was. If one of us had fallen out of line or if one of those little girls had just for a moment stepped away.
this story may be vastly different. But instead, those three girls walked into the hotel, and they rode the elevator up to the peaceful sanctuary of the 15th floor. What they didn't know is I stayed down near the entrance of the entrance of the hotel for an, maybe an extra 5-10 minutes and I looked at the windows of the hotel for another 5 minutes after that just in case why? because I knew something that they didn't need to know now this story again isn't supposed to be godlike in any way so don't take it as that but I do think that God works in a similar fashion. David writes about God's extensive knowledge in Psalm 139. So if you have your Bible on you and you want to read it with me, go ahead. I'll give you a little moment to find it before reading the first six verses of Psalm 139. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. It reads, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such Knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Some knowledge is too much for some people. You know, I can handle the knowledge of some dangerous man in Nashville. But if you knew the nerves within my gut... As I tried to stand my ground against him, then maybe you would know that that knowledge was almost too much for myself. And that, that is really when you realize the power that God has. Yeah, he's powerful and he knows everything there is for human beings to know. Any question you could fathom God has an answer to. But what about the questions that you can't fathom? Do you want to consider real power? Think about this. I can't help but think that when I finally returned to my room, maybe the man was long gone and paranoia was fading off, so I shut my eyes and I I began to sleep I can't help but think that maybe God was looking down. Maybe in his infinite wisdom and providence, he's doing what he can to protect me from all the dangerous things that I don't need to know. Maybe the dangerous things that no one needs to know. They say knowledge is power. And up above in the heavens, God is looking down on us. And I can't help but wonder, maybe he turns to an angel or the Holy Spirit 
And he smiles because all along he's protecting us from what we don't need to know. And there's a stark difference between how God does it and how I can do it because he doesn't go back to his hotel room when he thinks the coast is clear. He is always protecting us from what we don't need to know. Thanks for listening to the In All Fairness podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please, if you wouldn't mind giving us a like rating. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed day.